symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, this is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, we'll be talking about the end of my 2007 run in TNA. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Kurt, I'm doing great, man, and uh, so excited to see you. Uh, speaking of seeing you, I got to see you at WrestleCade. How did that uh, appearance go for you after Thanksgiving? That appearance was incredible. Amazing turnout. So many people. I signed for three hours. My line did not stop. It just kept going. I was really happy, really pleasantly surprised. Dude, I was pumped for you. I went over to say hi to you, and I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to butt in front of somebody just to say hi to, <laughs> hi to Kurt. But uh, in all seriousness, it was awesome to see the line that you had. People still want to talk to you. They want to meet the Olympic gold medalist. People and fans love Kurt Angle, man. The show's been uh, doing really well lately. We're getting a lot of positive re reviews. I get a lot of compliments at the yeah. appearances. Of Did you? Show. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, I fantastic. I love these fans, and they love me. That's cool. That's good, man. It's a two-way street, and uh, we're excited, excited to see you, and we got some exciting things in store as we start to wrap up this year and head into next year with the show. Uh, but today, uh, we're going to talk about the end of your 2007 run in TNA, as you said at the beginning. Uh, and when we last did a show about TNA from 2007, it was all about Victory Road. And uh, that was where you and Samoa Joe defeated Team 3D, uh, as Joe won the fall, he won the tag belts. He's the champion and, uh, had the choice to pick a partner to be his champion going forward, but he decided, mm, nah, I'm not picking anybody. And this led to hardcore justice with you versus Joe with four titles at stake. Kurt, uh, does this make the tag team titles look like shit in your mind? I mean, does any of it make sense? <laughs> you know what? Kind of, yes. <laughs> you know, you, you win them from the Dudleys, Team 3D, and you carry the title around, both titles around, just one person. Like, like this person just won the tag team titles yeah. by himself. I don't think that was a good thing to do. I believe the only reason why they did it is because I had two titles. They wanted Joe to have two titles, and they wanted Joe and I to come together and have a match, and the winner gets all the titles. There you go. Kurt, we, uh, listen, we're, we're doing it live here. Who's, who's in the office with you today? Who you got? Tell My us. My daughter, Nicoletta, she won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Nicoletta, tell her that Paul said hi. And, uh, the Kurt Angle show listeners love hearing her. So there hey, you Lenny, go. Uncle Paul says hi. And, uh, and the Angle show listeners love you. They want to hear you. You want to say hi real quick? Oh, there you go. We just popped a rating. That's awesome. This is good stuff. So listen, you're almost one year into the company at this point. Was there a frustration level? Do you feel like Kurt with creative or, or were you, you know, feel like you were being heard, you were getting involved in it. Um, or did um, you just say, Hey, TNA, really, it's up to you. Well, I didn't get really get involved with the creative. I let them do what they do. Um, but it was a little bit frustrating because there are a lot of things they were doing that, didn't make sense. And, uh, you know, a lot of matches that had a lot of gimmicks and different twists and turns, and they just made it more complicated. You know, it's pro wrestling. You two people go out there and wrestle a match. You don't have to have like two titles against two titles and 
and uh, you know, three against three because these guys got mad at those guys, and it just there was a lot of crazy stuff going on, and they were being really creative about booking these matches, and I thought they should have done it a little more simple. Yeah, maybe a little too over creative is what you could call it. And uh, speaking of that, dude, you're at the time you're the IWGP champion, okay? You're defending that. You you also are the TNA champion. You're the X division champion. And now you're going to be taking on Samoa Joe for control of the TNA tag titles. Look, I know you well enough that you like to be focused and featured in the man, but is this just way too much? Honestly? Yes. Um, not sure why they wanted to do this. Uh, it does nothing for the company does everything for me, but nothing for the company. I mean, you have all these different wrestlers that are competing in the same company and, and you have one guy that's holding all five titles. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that goes back to, and we're going to talk about it a little bit here. There were certain guys that you were ready to do the job for Kurt and, and try to get them going with their careers. And we'll get into that, but, uh, there's something kind of serious that's happening around this time in 2007 that I have to bring up here because it's relevant. It occurred. Uh, we're a few weeks out from the Chris Benoit murders, and there's a lot of talk about drug testing and government inquiries to both the WWE and TNA. Did any of this land on your radar or were you just, Hey, I'm full steam ahead and I'm focused on wrestling. Well, I mean, you know, TNA and eventually had to start doing drug testing. And, uh, I remember when it started and it was pretty close after the, the deaths of Chris Benoit's family and, uh, rightfully so I, I do understand that WWE had to take a stand. TNA had to stay, take a stand, uh, make sure the wrestlers were a lot, lot healthier and, uh, that they were mentally and physically, uh, intact and i think the drug testing w did help and, and and you know and not only that but you look at the wwe and what they did with their concussion program it, they really ramped it up after chris benoit and uh, i think they were they were looking out for the athletes which is what they should have done in the first place it's unfortunate kurt that sometimes it takes tragedy for people to figure out hey we need to go in a different direction uh this is a, obviously one of those situations but my god thankfully people have learned and started to execute programs to help protect the next generation of wrestlers. Uh, so yeah, they they're doing a great job of that. I mean, yeah. you have a concussion today, you can't wrestle for two to three weeks yeah. you know, until you get cleared. Back then, I got a concussion. I wrestled the next day in yeah. 2000. It was ridiculous. Back but, then, you, know, you get back knocked then, out of the table. Liabilities. Yeah. Uh, you get knocked out getting a pedigree on a table, and they need you back out there in five minutes. So. <laughs> It was a different world, man. Uh, so, so there's that. TNA is also in deep negotiations with Spike to move to that two-hour time slot uh, when their contract cup comes up. But I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think at this point TNA needed those two hours? Oh, yeah. We had so much talent. Uh, we, we need to spread it out. We need a, a longer show to enhance the talent and, and show the kind of talent we had. We had a lot of TNA homegrown talent. We also had a lot of WWE and WCW talent that moved over. So, uh, yeah, we definitely needed a two-hour show. All right, so there you go, working on that. You're doing a bunch of vignettes in the lead-up to Hardcore Justice with Kevin Nash as your psychiatrist. <laughs> what did you think of working with Kevin on these skits, man? He just seems like a lot of fun, and the skits seem like a lot of fun. Yeah, Kevin was a lot of fun, and he's a brilliant guy. Uh, he comes up with so many great ideas. He's the one that came up with the main event mafia, very intelligent individual, very talented in the ring, but also a really smart guy. I really respect the shit out of him. Mm. 
Now he's doing great things. Click this, his podcast, by the way, it's crushing it. And, uh, you, you just knew he'd be a great storyteller. You know, that's just, who oh, without he is. a doubt. He's, yeah. he's the best at telling stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're at hardcore justice. It's your match with Samoa Joe. It takes place in just under a year. This is your fourth pay-per-view match with Joe. As good as these matches are, Kurt, are you starting to think, Hey, this is a little overkill or Hey, we crush it every time. So I'm good with, you know, four matches this quick. I was good with wrestling Joe as much as possible. Um, I think the, what was going on is, you know, we were, we were on and off doing, you know, it was a program where nobody ever really forgot about it. So we would wrestle one month and maybe skip a couple months okay. and then wrestle another month. But uh, the, the, the program was always going forward. So whether we were uh, wrestling or not, we continued that program, the, that animosity toward each other throughout the whole year. And that you did. And as we take our listeners on this journey through 2007, it's hardcore justice. We're in August. It's August 12th, 2007. And uh, the observer had this to say, Kurt Angle beat Samoa Joe in 18 minutes, 30 seconds in a match where Angle put up the IWGP and TNA title. And Joe put up the tag team uh, title and X division titles. Uh, Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars. And guys, listen. You can check this match out and all of Kurt's TNA matches if you go to impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and sign up using the promo code Kurt. It's brand new, buddy. We have a relationship with them. You had so many amazing matches. This is just another one here at Hardcore Justice that you can check out with Joe. You uh, but you can, go ahead. I needed something like this to show my talent from TNA. Uh, you know, do it, this new thing that they're doing now with TNA and you're able to get the app and yeah. watch these matches. Uh, WWE wanted to purchase TNA a couple of years ago, but TNA didn't want to do it. I was hoping WWE would get the library from TNA and uh, it didn't happen. So this is great for me, actually. Everybody that wrestled in TNA. Yeah, so check that out. And uh, so we move on from there. Coming out of that show, the build is to no surrender. And the plan is for you to wrestle three times and defend all your TNA titles. I know you're not on the road like the WWE back in those days, Kurt. But, man, this is uh, this is pretty heavy workload you got going on here. Hey, Paul, could you repeat the question? Because I was thinking about something else. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <clears throat> Let me just make a marker here that I'll need to edit here. Edit. So Kirk, coming out of that show, the build is to no surrender. And the plan is for you to wrestle three times and defend all your TV titles. I know you're not on the road like you were back in the days with WWE, but man, this is a heavy workload. Is it, is it too much here or are you, you digging kind of what's going on here? I, I didn't mind wrestling three times. I wouldn't have mind wrestling five times. It, it didn't ma really matter to me. Is it a little bit overwhelming? Yes, because you have to plan out three matches. You have to prepare for it during the day. And then you have to produce those matches at night. And uh, I, I love doing that. I love that challenge. Like I did that like three different times in yeah. WWE. Yeah. And I did it, I think, twice in TNA. And I always loved the challenge of wrestling three matches in one night. That was, that was something that I knew I was capable of doing. Was this where Kurt Angle goes to creative and says, hey, listen, the best way we can have great pay-per-views is for me to wrestle at least three times on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Kurt Angle. Put me on three matches in the pay-per-view and you'll get a lot of ratings and you'll, a lot of big buys. You'll have the best um, buys ever. I love it. I don't, uh, you know what? I never thought of it that way, but I don't think that uh, one guy wrestling three different times on the pay-per-view is really going to help the sales of it. Uh, that's my personal opinion. 
but uh, maybe it did. I don't know. <laughs> You're a wrestling machine, brother. And you, like you said, you didn't get too involved in creative. So their minds at the time thought, hey, this is great for us. So they wanted to take advantage of that and your star power and your wrestling ability. So there you go. By the way, it's also reported around this time that you, my friend, set up a meeting with Brock Lesnar and Dixie Carter. What can you tell us about that? Any details you remember? Okay. Brock calls me. He's not in the WWE. He says, listen, man, can you get me in TNA? <laughs> I probably shouldn't even be saying this stuff. Oh, yes, you, you should. Know what? You know, Brock doesn't care. This so, is a podcast. You're um, supposed to tell so, stories like this. <laughs> so he said, hey, what are you making? And I told him what I was making. He said, if you can get me that, I'll come. And I approached TNA and they said, no, we're not going to give him that kind of money. <laughs> so it was, it was amazing because I think that TNA at the time, I think they were uh, at the top of their budget where they couldn't really get yeah, their maxed money out. You know, I, I was making a lot of money. Sting was making a good bit of money. Uh, and then you had a bunch of guys on the roster and, you know, TNA, you know, the Carter family funded it for a long time. And then TNA started making their own money, but it just wasn't enough to bring in another guy for seven figures a year. I just don't think they were capable of doing that. And just think though, a, a shot at a generational talent like Brock Lesnar and you oh together gosh, in the same man, company. TNA would have lit up if he came there. <laughs> yeah. You got to have some foresight there, people. Yeah. I mean, we'll figure out the money. That's what I'm saying. It's Brock freaking Lesnar. Let's, let's get it. You're absolutely out. right, man. Uh, well, you're also at the time involved with John Cena's cousin. Do you remember this? The rapper trademark? How did that all come to be? Well, I met trademark uh, with John Cena back in the WWE and I knew he was a rapper and a musician and I came up with this song. It came from vision quest. It was called lunatic fringe. And I wanted to make it my entrance music for TNA. So I asked Trademark if he could come up with a couple of words, uh, different phrases and catchphrases that I use and all that stuff for the song. And he did a phenomenal job. I actually, as much as I love my You Suck music, uh, this you know, Lunatic Fringe music is really freaking cool. I mean, mm. uh, I don't know if you ever heard it, Paul, but it's pretty badass. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Vision Quest? Yeah, and I'm sure I've watched your matches in TNA, so I've heard the song. So yeah, yeah you definitely had to see heard yeah. it. Uh, but but I I love that song, and and Trademark did a tremendous job. Ah, there you go, a little inside information on Trademark, John Cena's cousin. That's pretty cool. Uh, so there's a four way match to determine who's going to be your tag partner, and Sting wins the match over AJ Styles, Christian Cage, and Samoa Joe. I mean, I love reading these names at the time of TNA. These are all stars, man. All stars. I know, I know. And, they're all uh, big sticks. Yeah, this is to build the you and Sting facing off for the TNA title at Bound for Glory. But still, this leaves a lot to be desired. Why didn't they just say, "Hey, you can pick your partner"? What, what's going on? You know what? This is what I was talking about earlier. You know, they made things complicated. They didn't yeah. have to have this four-man match to come up with a tag team partner. All I had to do is walk up to Sting and say, "Hey, Sting, you want to be my tag team partner?" But they, they always made something. They always made everything circle around wrestling. Everything had to be what you did out in the ring, and uh, if you won, you got an award, or or you were somebody's tag team partner. It was always built around wrestling, not around storylines. So, Kurt, you're doing a lot of promos at this time with Jim Cornette, the TNA Authority figure. What a lightning rod Jim Cornette is. What'd you think of working with Cornette? Talk to us about it. I love Jim. He was old school. 70s and 80s that's how it was for him uh that's what that was his philosophy and i actually liked it because i think that works no matter you know how, how further in the future we go 
the way they ran stuff in the promotions in the 70s and 80s and the storylines and how they did it, it was simple and, and it made sense. And Jim Cornette was always about simplicity and making sense. And that's why I absolutely love the guy. Simplicity, storytelling, and doing it the right way. Fundamentals, that's that's Jim Cornette in a nutshell. And, uh, man, I think it's pretty cool that you got to work with him during your career because he's one of the, one of the godfathers, if you will, if you, he has a strong opinions on rest today's wrestling, that's for sure. And people enjoy it, but man, crazy. He was at my tryout for WWE. He was walking around with a tennis racket. Oh yeah. (laughs) That was his his thing, man. And, uh, he was, a he became a big fan of mine right away. He saw the talent in me and he was like, Kurt, you're going to be something special. And uh, he would talk to us about, you know, um, making things simple. That 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 was his biggest thing, you know, Uh, making uh, not making anything complicated. Uh, Jim Cornette was just a a very uh, intelligent person, knowledgeable, very knowledgeable of the wrestling business. Well, the tag match you're building to is going to feature Pac-Man Jones from the NFL. And uh, you and I did a bonus show uh, a week ago for ad-free, and we talked a little bit about this event. But what did you think of the deal to bring Pac-Man Jones in? You know what? Pac-Man was a star at the time. I, I actually enjoyed being around him. He was a good dude. Um, you know, we we had a great match with Ron Killings and I think Sting and myself. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was good to um, bring somebody like that in. And uh, do something like we what we did. Uh, you know what's crazy is he actually beat Sting. Yes, we're gonna <laughs> talk was, about that. You know, it, yeah, it was it was ridiculous. But but you know, thing is, Sting didn't um, didn't just lose. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, sidetracked during the match. That's right, right? you were distracted. Yeah, yeah, I was distracted, so uh, that caused Sting to lose. But um, it, you know what? We had a lot of fun that night. That was really cool. There you go. So let's get into it. It's no surrender. You're going to be wrestling three times. We've talked about it. Kurt's loving life. He knows he's going to go out there at the wrestling machine that he is defend all those titles. Uh, but man, are you stressed going into a night like this? Realizing, Hey, I have three major matches that I'm involved in. Oh yeah. The stress was very high. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, when you're, when you know, you have to produce three matches and they weren't short matches. They were all pretty long matches. I mean, the one with Jay Lethal, I think, was like 12 or 13 minutes. But it was a lot of action. Jay and I really did a great job of putting that match together. But, you know, having those three matches, you're always going to get nervous. I get nervous with one match. I get nervous just walking out in front of a crowd cutting a promo. You know, if you don't do that, your adrenaline's not pumping. And you want your adrenaline to be pumping when you do stuff like that. All right, let's get into it. It's you and Sting. You guys dropped the tag titles. You just outlined it with Pac-Man and Ron Killings. When you distracted uh, Pac-Man, uh, when you're distracted, I'm sorry, and Pac-Man goes ahead and he pins Sting. But for a guy being built up as your big title defense at Bound for Glory, are you okay with Sting getting pinned by Pac-Man? Is Sting okay with getting pinned by Pac-Man? <laughs> you know what? Sting didn't say anything. Uh, but you know what? He's Sting. Uh, he could lose to a six-year-old, my daughter. <laughs> He'd still be a huge star. You know, know, he was such a, a, an icon and a legend that it Mm. it didn't really matter. I don't think uh, sting really matter. uh, It didn't really bother sting um, because he knew where he was going and that was bound for glory against me for the world title. All right. So there you go. That's the first one. And your second match, you talked about it a little bit. You lost the X division title clean in the middle of the ring to Jay lethal and, and what they immediately pushed as the biggest upset in TNA history. It's an excellent match, Kurt. Crowd's going crazy because Lethal had gotten so many near falls, yet nobody thought he had a prayer to win the match. 
And you and I, like I said, just watch that match together. Uh, so you want to check it out at adfreeshows.com because you share some insight about that match that I don't think many people know. Meltzer was raking you over the coals about it, but you made the call on that. The people making the decisions, the booking decisions did not want that to happen. So as a no. result, after that, they switched everything back for Jay Lethal. Yeah, they took the title from him, everything. I, it was like they were they were trying to scold me, but they scolded Jay. <laughs> it yeah. was ridiculous. And you know what's crazy? He was supposed to win anyway. There was just just supposed to be a bunch of distractions during the match. And, the, and you know, somebody was going to end up coming in and bopping me on the head, and Jay would have won. I didn't want Jay to win that way. Are you going to create a star by making a guy win by someone else coming in and, and uh, you know, doing some kind of physicality to the person and the other person wins the match. That isn't how Jay is going to get a, be a bigger star. I wanted to make Jay that night and that's what I did. And you know what? They took it right from him the next day, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Not a happy camper about that at all. Guys. Again, we deep dive that uh, on the uh, bonus show. So here we go from the observer in his third match angle worked on Abyss's left ankle, the entire match and beat him clean after taking off his boot, using an ankle lock to keep the TNA title. It was a refreshing change from the usual TNA title match. Here we go. That feature featured ref bumps, missing finishes, lots of interference brawls all over the building. It was tough because the crowd was starting to drag when seeing angle come out for a third time, but they worked a match that made sense. And even rare where they were working a body part directly played into the finish. And he gave it three and a half stars. Talk to us about working with the abyss and you know, did you enjoy oh, I love working with Abyss. He's one of the best big guys I've ever gotten a ring with. And you know what? He's safe. As dangerous as he looks and all the crazy stuff he does, he is a thousand percent safe. And, uh, you know, we were supposed to have some uh, interferences in that match, too. And I called that out, too. And, really? I, you know, not that I was trying to get myself over more because I won the match, but uh, Abyss and I were like, we don't need distractions. Let's just have a straight up match. And that's what we did. Yeah, there you go. All right. Our first clip of the week, we only have three this week. So for all of those that are like, man, there's so many clips. We only have three this week, but these are all important <laughs> to the storyline. And by the way, guys, this is important for Kurt. I think for him, because sometimes we're going back a lot of years. So it's just also a good refresher for him to see. So we're going to take a good uh, look at the ending to Kurt versus abyss at no surrender. Let's check it out, Kurt. And who would know better than the veteran angle? And again, look at this. Taking the boot right off it's of really, Abyss oh, and exposing it. it. The oh. already previously oh. injured knee, the ankle, the, the leg of Abyss. No protection. It's, it's, it's now fair game, completely unprotected, and Angle is relentless. Oh, what a move on Kurt Angle's part. He's got it unprotected, and he's now he's come from the knee to the ankle. And look at him just stomping on the ankle. Oh, my God, you've got to wonder if there's anything left in that leg of Abyss's. He gets just taking the beating now. He's worked the knee, now he's worked the ankle. Look at him, he's going after it again. Well, it was surprising to see him use those several shots to the top of the head of Abyss, but I think it's a good move. Knee pad down. The knee, the raw bone of Kurt Angle is exposed here as he comes off the middle rope. Oh, look at this, somehow! Abyss able to see it coming, and he gets to his feet. Barely one, but look at that right after the knee again. Wow. The repeated kicks, angle off the ropes, ducks the clothesline. Here it is! Michael Slam, he hit it! Here it this is! This is a chance! Here's two! Two! Oh my God, Kurt 
Fuego got the shoulder up just in time. Angle almost had his third title loss in one night. Black hole slam by Abyssin. We talked about it earlier. How many people kick out of the Olympic slam? How many people kick out of the black hole slam? Especially at that point in time in a match when you're wore out and tired. You know what? You mentioned the desperation from Kurt Angle earlier. It was that desperation that allowed him to get that shoulder up so that he didn't lose his third title of the night. But now you look at the tide turning out. This can only walk. He's had the ankle damage. He's had the knee damage. But now what does Kurt Angle have left? Abyss going to try and use the power game. I don't know if his, his base is going to hold for him here. No, he looking at. Yeah, roll through by Angle and right back to the ankle lock once again. Oh, no, and he's got that exposed ankle and he's got it cinched in. And you can see Abyss trying to get to the ropes. He's close to the ropes. And Kurt Angle is pulling tight. I mean, you can see it on Kurt's face. He's pulling with everything he's got, twisting with everything that he's got. Boy, those facial expressions on Angle tell the whole story, don't they? As he cranks the ankle lock submission. Abyss reaching and grabbing it as he gets just inches away from that rope. Angle drags him back to the middle and maintains the grip on the ankle lock. What we are witnessing here is one incredibly courageous effort yes. from the challenger, the monster Abyss guy. But at the same time, it's very difficult to watch, isn't it? From, if he does from a pain standpoint. If he doesn't tap out, he's going to break his leg. I mean, he's got a threshold of pain that's unreal. But if he doesn't tap out, it's going to break his leg and look at Abyss. He's just turning around, trying to find some sort of a way to get some motion. And look at him cinching on that ankle like he's going to twist it off. In anticipation of the tap out, referee Hebner comes eye to eye with the monster abyss. The close-up look at the face of Kurt Angle as he cinches in that ankle lock submission hole. Look at the positioning by Hebner. It's perfect. He wants to see if Abyss is going to tap out right here. I mean, how courageous is it? Any normal man would have tapped out five minutes ago. But this guy will hold on for everything. Oh, my God. He finally, he didn't even tap, did he? He gets with the of the match. It's still TNA heavyweight champion of the world, Kurt, I don't know if you recall, but how did your body feel after all these matches in one night? I mean, you got to be pretty oh, sore, bud. I felt like utter shit. <laughs> I really <laughs> did. <laughs> you know what? I was sore for about a week. It, it was tough. Uh, doing those three matches, I probably put in probably 45 minutes of wrestling, and uh, it, it was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm, even for you. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> he just admitted it was tough. Hey, you're absolutely spot on though. in your recollection, because even Meltzer and the observer said that lethal and the Bis match, both had planned interference and you Kurt angle changed it to not have interference in both. So good for you, man. I like you sticking up for yourself a little bit. And for these wrestlers, it's not about you. It's about, it's about them. Hey, we can have it straight up matches. Them. You know what? I, I actually beat abyss, but you know, Abyss agreed with me. He didn't want to interference either. He wanted to lose straight up. And he, he didn't, you know, at the way he lost, he was in that ankle lock for three minutes. Nobody lasts that long in the ankle lock. So he actually did himself justice by yeah. hanging in there for a long time. And so on this show, you lose two titles, but you keep the main one. In your mind, that's all that really matters, right? Being that world yeah. champ. Yeah, definitely. Because I really need the other titles and I wanted to build the company. So I wanted the tag team titles and the X division titles to be with other people. We mentioned it earlier. TNA does switch to two hours on spike. And now the build is in, um, for you and sting at bound for glory. 
and it's focused. Here we go. Here's some creative on you stalking his son. Is this Vince Russo on this one? What can you tell us about? Oh that? yeah, that's Vince Russo. I actually went to California and I, I kind of like beat up on the kid a little bit at a football game. His he had a football game on Saturday. Sting was there and it was it was ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, stalking his son and uh, telling Sting, you know, you know, when he gets done with this football game, I'm going to whip his son's ass. It was just, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> if you're Sting's kid though. Okay. First of all, it's cool. Cause my dad's Sting number one, but number two, now Kurt Angle's coming to my football practice <laughs> to kick my ass. Yeah. I mean, that's something you can tell your friends. You're going to be popular at the high school. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're a pretty cool kid. There, there you go. Uh, I, and I, and the reason I asked about it and if it was Russo is because it's reported heavily in the observer that you and Russo, okay, this is some shit here had gone to Dixie to have you two be in charge and force Jeff Jarrett out of that position. What do you remember of that at all? Do you remember that going on and that creative kind of shift in power and those conversations? No, I could tell you this. There are rumors sometimes, and there's the truth and that's a complete rumor. I didn't even know about that. Vince and I had no intention of taking anything from anybody. Maybe Vince did. I don't know. But, you know, maybe I don't know. I don't know if Vince did this. I don't think he did. But he probably said, hey, Kurt and I want to take over Dixie and uh, we want to put Jeff out. But you know what? Vince Russo got along with Jeff, too. So I, I, I just don't see how that came to be. And not only that, every conversation that you and I have had on this show regarding TNA and your time there, you've always said, I didn't want, I didn't have anything to do with the creative. No, I didn't. I, I stayed yeah, away from it. I didn't want to deal. Them yeah. right and, and I did what they told me to do. So that would make sense. Then you're also in talks with the IFL about becoming a coach. Did they ever go anywhere serious for you? We talked for a while. And then at the last second, it just fell through. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there was like going to be eight teams and I was going to coach one of the teams and they were pretty excited about it, but, uh, they ended up, I ended up not doing it. Okay. Well, Kurt, uh, more serious news. You're arrested September 28th for careless driving violation and suspicion of driving under the influence. Your demons at this time, uh, they were starting to get tough to manage, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I was having a tough time. I was making horrible decisions, uh, irresponsible decisions. Uh, there a lot of things going on in my life. Uh, you know, getting four DUIs in five years was just ridiculous. You know, when, when you're doing that, you know, you have a problem and I didn't want to admit it until I ended up going to rehab in 2013. Uh, it took me a while to come to my grips, but eventually I did. And you've said it before on the show too. TNA, uh, was a good support system. I mean, even during this time, were they there for you? They never gave up on me. Yeah. TNA Dixie Carter supported me. She was the best. Uh, she allowed me to go to rehab. I went to rehab. I, I took five months off after that. One year, I blew my knee out. I had to have uh, ACL surgery. Yeah. And uh, they, they gave me nine months off and paid me in full. I mean, Dixie never gave up on me. Whether, whether I got in trouble with the law or whatever it was, she was always there to be there for me. And uh, I can't thank her enough. She was an incredible boss. She was really supportive. Yeah, guys, if you're a newer listener to the show, you are going to hear nothing but good things from Kurt when it comes to Dixie, oh, especially yeah. the way that she took care of him and treated him, paid him all along the way throughout all the trials and tribulations and was just there for them. So that's uh, always good to hear, man, when a company stands behind you uh, and they're, you know, standing behind you here as you press on for Bound for Glory. Uh, you're in the main event defending the TNA title against Sting in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's a former WCW hotbed, uh, buddy. How big of a deal is this for you 
Atlanta GA, where Sting really was became the man in WCW, and here you are, you're going to take him on for a world title. Not only that, Sting was an icon, and he was in WCW, and it's straight in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, man. But I won the Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> so don't, don't forget, forget about I that, Bromwell. There too. <laughs> but you know what? It was huge for me. Going back to that city and uh, being able to perform there, especially with Sting, who was really red hot in that city of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, it was a dream come true. I loved working with Sting. Sting, I'm sure he's excited about it. There's a lot of talk at the time that Sting thought he was going to be retiring, pal. That, that is uh, <laughs> funny because here he is all these years, these years later jumping off balconies in AEW, still doing his thing, man. It's crazy, man. Sting is timeless. He's ageless. <laughs> he is. He looks great, and uh, he changes his look and feel, and even if it's a little bit. We still got the black and white paint, but he can he's one of those guys. He can wear as many clothes as he wants. He still looks badass and cool, and can do his thing uh, in the That's ring. That's because Sting is just cool. He is, <laughs> That's man. all I can say about him. Podcast fans, huge ad-free shows announcement. The premiere of Click This, the Kevin Nash podcast, is coming to ad-free shows live next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's December 6th for a live watch-along of his world title match against Goldberg from Stargate. It's happening next Tuesday on adfreeshows.com. Here's the deal. All $29 level members and higher on ad-free shows will be invited to join the live watch-along event. And top guy members will get to come up and chat live with Kevin during the event. Talk to Kevin. Kevin talks to nobody, barely talks to me, and I'm his co-host. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to chat one-on-one with Kevin and watch this live watch-along next Tuesday at freeshows.com. Are you surprised TNA wasn't running more shows out of the Impact Zone, or do you think they just weren't ready for it yet? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that question. Um, running more shows out of the Impact Zone. We were running probably... You know, we were going every week or every two weeks. Uh, I believe we were doing two days every two weeks at the impact zone. So they were but doing it there, but were you surprised they weren't trying to branch out from the impact zone? Oh, uh, away from the yeah, impact yeah. zone. Yeah, yeah. They they were pretty conservative at this point in time. I, I know they didn't want to take a leap quite yet. Uh, they eventually did, and we started doing a bunch of shows, uh, house shows, and we started doing pay-per-views in some TVs in different cities. Uh, that was really cool. When we started doing that, I think that's when the ratings started going yes. up. And as a, as a, as a viewer of impact, I just needed to see a different venue and the, as weird yeah, as that yeah, sounds, you had the same venue every week, every, exactly just, right. you know what? A lot of them were the same fans yeah. <laughs> in the same seats. It yeah. was, you know, it, those fans were super loyal though. <laughs> they, they are, but there's something about a fresh look, a fresh crowd and the energy that it brings you, you can't mis- oh, you can't replace the energy that different venues can bring now it can be said some crowds and venues they suck and think can kill a show but those when you hit the right town or right spot man it takes the show to the next level it's magic you're actually, it is. actually you're absolutely right yeah yeah so we're at bound for glory sting defeats you for the tna title in atlanta georgia home of where you won your gold medal <laughs> From the Observer, Angle versus Sting was a pleasant surprise as a match. There was considerable question as to how well the two would click. As it turned out at the 15-minute mark, this was turning into a tremendous match. Oh, wow. That's big praise from Dave. Then it was 2000 Raw all over again, which wouldn't be bad, except TNA does this all the time. There's two ref bumps, the visionary falls, and the outside interference, even if it played well live. For people at home, I don't want to say it killed the match, but it did turn an excellent match into just a very good one. 
It was the swerve, which is all the heels run in. So, you know, the face is getting screwed, but the face overcomes it and wins. They haven't figured out when people figure out that your angles are swerves, then all of your angles are going to lose meaning. But Sting and Kurt deserve a lot of credit for that main event, for working a great match and, and for angle carrying Sting and Sting for at the age of nearly 49, more than holding up his end, buddy. He's way older than that now, still holding up his end. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> uh, Melter would go on. He said Angle put on the ankle lock, but Sting kicked Angle off and he crashed into Nash. Sting used the Scorpion death drop on Angle, but no ref to count. Finally, Andrew Thomas came into count, but Nash pulled him out of the ring and decked him. Sting was bumping Nash and Angle around, and Angle got the baseball bat. Angle went to hit Sting, and Sting was supposed to block it. He missed blocking as the bat went right through Sting's open hands. Oh my God, we've seen this before, Kurt, and yes. caught him square in the forehead. Guys, <laughs> you get it. It got three and three quarter stars. I got the clip. It is our second of three clips this week. It's the ending, Kurt versus Sting, bound for glory. Let's take a look. Now, Kurt Angle has Sting where he wants him in the ring. And look at this. As you can see, Kurt fighting it. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was How did he get the shoulder up after that? That's the part that's unbelievable. The fact that Sting is able to power up before the three count. And how about Angle from the top with the high risk? And now here's the ankle lock. Oh boy, this is going to be a tough one for Sting. Check out the positioning. Sting's in trouble in the middle of the ring. And Angle's got it. Angle has got the ankle lock cinched in. Oh, he's got it pulled tight. And you got to wonder, what does Sting have left? And he spits in the face. He spits in the face. And then he sends Kurt Angle right into right into this head on head. And now Sting struggles. And then Kurt Angle knocks the referee out. Oh, he hits the death drop. Scorpion death drop. Nash is down. Referee's down. Angle's down. Sting calling for a rip from the back. And we got another backup referee that can come out here. Somebody get out here. Sting's got it one. Somebody get out here. You can, you can hear the fans are counting in the building. Referee Andrew Thomas sprints down, slides one, in, counts two. Oh, no. Damn it. Look at this. Kevin Nash, and then he cleans his clock. Yeah, you're not going to get involved. You're not going to watch his back. Your meal ticket. That's exactly what he's done. He's covered his butt. Now Nash comes in right on Sting. Look at Nash. Big right hand for Sting. We haven't seen him physical like this in years. Oh, look at what Sting is. It's just the crowd just lets their disapproval. Oh, come on. All of us, the crowd in Atlanta, the broadcasters here also showing their disapproval as Nash and Angle double team Sting into the ropes. Somehow he's able to duck it. Oh, he takes them both out at the same time. Wow. How resilient. He stands tall and he feeds off this crowd. Right hand Dex Nash. Now, get Angle. Oh, what a low blow by Angle. Of course, there's no referee to see that. Every time it looks like Steve is rising from the grave. Every time they do something underhanded. It's just pissing you off. Look out and for the baseball bat. The, bat. the signature baseball bat of Sting. As Angle took the shot. And Sting stops it. Sting blocks it. Sting fires back. Back to the gut. Back to the back. To the head, and now Nash tries to come in, and now look at this. Sting uses the ropes, and then the bat, and Kevin Nash falls hard. Angle 
to his feet. Blood, blood is flowing from the head of the challenger. And the champion. Both of them are bleeding and he hits the Scorpion Death Drop. Rudy Jones, one, one, two, 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 he's got it. My God, look at Sting. You cracked him wide open. <laughs> that was not supposed to happen. <laughs> oh, the hard way, baby. What do you say to that, though, Kurt? Were you surprised they changed the title here? Um, No, because at this point in time, Sting was approaching 50. He needed validity. He needed to know that he was still capable of winning the world title. He didn't carry it for very long. I think a couple of days, and then I won it back. So yeah. I was going to continue on with my title run. But with Sting, that that gave him a that gave him a, a you know a big uh, boost uh, yeah. at that point in his career. That's the that's the crazy part. That's what I was gonna say. Two nights later, Hurt regains the Impact title from Sting. So there you go. That's why we made him look like a monster. I mean, he looked unbeatable there. We were cheating ball shots and you know hitting him with baseball bats and Kevin Nash is coming in and you know it, it, we really made him look strong. Yeah, and, uh, we got the review from the torch, and they said Sting versus Kurt Angle just those couple nights later for the heavyweight title. Uh, the winner was Angle in 15 minutes to capture the TNA World Heavyweight Title. Star rating two, a letdown of a match. So uh, I don't know if you remember this one. Uh, the presentation's great. Mike Tenay is doing great job as as you can imagine putting it over. But the match got uh kind of a eh. So do you, do you remember anything about that match? Yeah, yeah, we had a couple of blown spots. Um, it wasn't our best night. Um, I'm not going to blame one or the other. Uh, just a few things happened in that match that weren't supposed to happen. And unfortunately, you know, the, we lost the fans. Yeah, eventually, the refs argue Jim Cornette, who we talked about earlier, comes in and says he'll make a decision. And later on in the show, Tanae interviews Cornette and Cornette announces that you, Kurt, are the champion. Uh, a lot of a lot of gaga here, Kurt. But uh, you know, it, it it is what it is, and and you're you're the uh, you're carrying the gold again, pal. Yeah, one thing about Cornette, you know, he, he is very simple, but he does like a little gaga too. So, yeah. you know, it, it, Jim Jim is a a brilliant guy, and uh, he's done so much for the business. I have a lot of respect for him. Ah, good way to close that one there. Cornette would then go on to announce that you would have to defend the TNA world title in a tag match at Genesis with Nash as your partner. And Sting gets to pick his own partner. So here we go. Defending the TNA title in a tag match. Almost as goofy as defending the tag titles in a singles match. Am I right? Oh, this is what I was talking about earlier. It makes absolutely no sense. You know, you, ha you have a tag match that's for a singles title, and then you have a singles match that's for the tag title. It just, um, you know, we, we were trying to get over creative. It yeah. just wasn't working. The, the Russo and Cornette are probably beating the shit out of each other in the back. <laughs> I, well, I know they're not point. crazy about each other. So <laughs> know, right? I'm not sure if one was blaming the other or what. Yeah, exactly. And then was Jim just the mouthpiece with this Russo creative? Like, who knows how that all played itself out. But uh, when you're told that Booker T is coming in, were you excited to have him with the company? Oh my God. Yeah. I wrestled Booker T in WWE and I absolutely loved all of our matches. Uh, he's such a great talent to have. He's not just a great wrestler. He's a great entertainer. I mean, one of the best entertainers in the history of the business, what this guy was able to do. I mean, he was so much fun to be around, especially in the main event mafia. Uh, he was hilarious. I mean, some of, some of the stances he would do and, 
he would stay in the ring and flex his lats. It just, he did little stuff that we all would laugh about, but he was a lot of fun to be around and he was going to end up tagging with sting. I believe that's yeah. how, how he made his debut. And I was excited about wrestling him. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, buddy, talk about excited. Probably the biggest movie star in the world had something to say about you around this time period. And I want to read it in the observer at the time, Dwayne, the rock Johnson wrote a letter and had this to say about you. Yes. Kurt angle to this day, Kurt angle is my all time favorite performer to work with his athletic ability and work rate inspired and pushed mine every single night. He was always a hundred percent egoless, egoless in his approach to the performance, which is a rarity in pro wrestling. We shared an athlete's mentality in the ring, and it was an honor to work with an Olympic gold medalist and such a good man. Dude, those are some big words from a big star, my friend. I'm going to cry. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. You I know, mean, that's amazing. Dwayne Johnson. I mean, uh, I have so much respect for the guy, and he did a lot for me starting out. You know, he was my first world title. I beat him for the world title. And at that point in my career, I couldn't carry my own match. He had to carry me, and he did a tremendous job. I learned a lot from Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson, this is an open invitation from the Kurt Angle Show for you to join us anytime. Come on on the show, like Dwayne. Show. Because, listen, not only would you be entertaining and uh, fantastic to have on and tell stories, but it's guaranteed you could make Kurt Angle cry, and we're here for it. <laughs> So I he, promise I'll cry. He'll cry on demand. If you want, if you can come on the show, man, that would be so cool. But man, I, I joke and kid, but well, that is so, uh, that's so cool. That's, that's gotta mean a lot that to is you. Cool, man. Uh, he didn't to have say to that. do that. And yeah. He did, which I appreciate very much. Uh, there's also talk of you heading over, uh, to Japan to be part of the new Japan, Tokyo dome show, but there's a lot of hurdles since you're the IGF champion of Anoki's holding the split IWGP title. Were you involved in any of that? Or was that just all left to the office to figure out? That was all office. I had nothing to do with that. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. It was a big mess. And, uh, you know, knowing I was rest for IGF and then new Japan, um, it, it was, it was, uh, very confusing the way they split the titles and all that stuff. And, uh, I, I heard that, uh, that my IWGP title was the third belt, I guess yeah. the third one that they made of IWGP. So it, it was, a, it was a little confusing. So here we go, Kurt, we'll continue on with wrapping up 2007. You and Nash, uh, are going to build to this tag match. And you're at odds, and the assumption is that Scott Hall's going to be Sting's partner, and it'll be a swerve on you. But were you excited about the possibility of Scott Hall coming in? Oh, yeah. Scott was a great talent. I watched a lot of video of him in WCW and WWE when he wrestled Shawn Michaels in that ladder match. I knew he was a very gifted athlete, and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to try a piece of Scott Hall. I was really excited about it, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, they had a funny segment that aired around this time too, where you put an ankle lock on a sting dummy, uh, that fell from the ceiling. I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed that. Did you? Oh, it was a blast, man. I had so much fun doing that. <laughs> well, listen to Genesis. You defend the title in the tag match with Booker T debuting and the observer had this to say, Kurt angle would retain the TNA title by winning the fall, pinning sting, uh, and angle and Kevin Nash win over sting and Booker T in 13 minutes, 41 seconds. The tone of the match was set when angle had sting pinned but Nash made the save for Sting since whomever got the pinfall was champion, and it actually made sense. I mean, the match made zero sense, but what Nash did, given the no-sense match made, made sense. Uh, Angle, Angle went for the Olympic slam, but Sting turned it into a DDT. 
He continues to talk through the match, but uh, he gave it two and a quarter stars. And uh, he said so much interference, lots of gaga again, Kurt. But why do you think, because we were starting to see some clean finishes just a few months ago, but here we go. There's, there's a shift again, more to this interference stuff. Honestly, I'll tell you why. Because I stood up and I won clean finishes when I wrestled those three matches. And after that, I didn't stand up anymore because it wasn't my fight to win. Uh, for some reason, TNA won a lot of interference in a lot of their matches, and I just didn't think it was it was uh, worth it. I thought, you know, this is not a way to build up talent and make talent. And I thought that, uh, you know, less interference was better. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we talked about the move from one hours to two hours. The ratings haven't moved at all. Do you remember hearing any dialogue or conversation backstage about that? Like, hey, we moved from one to two. We were hoping this would be a nice bump for us. Uh, are they saying they're disappointed and not seeing it? We were expecting it, definitely. But it didn't happen for quite some time. It just took a little time. Eventually, we ended up getting over 2 million followers or 2 million view viewers, Yeah, uh, which uh, I think was our highest rating was 2.1 million on Spike TV at one particular time. So we were we were getting up there, in the, or I'm sorry, it was a 1.3 rating, 2.1 million viewers. That was the highest rating we got. Uh, but, but that was pretty good, especially for TNA at that particular time. Do you, and I'm sure you've thought about this. Do you have any idea, or can you think of pinpoint one reason, or maybe a couple reasons why TNA just had trouble growing their audience bigger than what they, than what they did? I think it had to do with funds. I mean, you know, you, you can, you can show your show on TV all the time. And, and, uh, if you're not traveling around and you're not going to different cities to, uh, promote the show, it doesn't become as popular as it could be. If you're having it in one arena every single week and uh, you barely do any house shows, you're not building the brand. You're not building the product. You got to go out and you got to go out to the, to the streets and, you know, yeah. go to different cities and produce these fans, make them come to the shows. And that's how you get a bigger viewership. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, cater to your international audience. They did some of that, but I mean, that's what we're starting to see now is, you know, I, and I use as an example, AW finally went over to, to, uh, cross the border and went up into Canada, finally going to head over to the UK at some point soon. That's so how you, grow the you have to, you have to, yeah. Yeah. uh, the Anglo Alliance is born with you, AJ and Tomko buddy. Was this something that you were excited to be a part of or, eh? Yeah. You know what? AJ and Tomko and I were really tight. Uh, we were really good friends. Um, you know, having that team was really cool. Uh, having a big guy and an incredible athlete like J AJ styles, this was a good team. So Kaz won a tournament to become the number one contender and wrestles you on impact. You win a great match. What did you think of working with Kaz? And did you think he could be an even bigger star with TNA back then than what he was? Oh, TNA missed the boat with that kid. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was such a good looking kid with a great look and great wrestler. He could talk. Um, this kid had all the talent in the world. Um, I believe he could have been one of the top four talents in the company. It just unfortunately didn't happen. So let's talk about the Angle Alliance. Hall and Nash, they're together. They're at the impact zone, and the Angle Alliance attacks them before Samoa Joe would uh, make the save. And it's to build the turning point where Hall and Nash and Joe are going to take on the Angle Alliance, you, Styles, and Tomko. This is a mismatch of styles, but how tough is something like this to put together? There's six talents, all different styles. Hall and Nash are now in together. Was there difficulty just kind of figure out what this is going to look like? I mean, yes. And, and a lot of it had to do with, we had three big guys in there 
and uh, there wasn't a real lot we could do with them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that made it more complicated. Uh, but anytime, anytime you have a six-man match, it's pretty complicated. But this made it more complicated. Well, buddy, here we go. We're going to get into some stuff here. I'm sure all anyone wants to talk about is when Scott Hall no-showed. But first, on the Thanksgiving episode of Impact, you got a turkey leg stuffed into your mouth. What'd that taste like, pal? It was yummy. <laughs> <laughs> yummy. <laughs> I have no uh, other thing to say about that. There, there you go. Well, we're at turning point. Okay. He's he's not didn't choke on the turkey bone. And it's the last pay-per-view of the year for TNA. And Kurt's match is a bit of an afterthought. And everything is focused on Samoa Joe's shoot promo before the main event. Here we go, guys. Meltzer says it was a crazy week for TNA, complete with two major no-shows on pay-per-view, a worked shoot angle, a match on pay-per-view where the results won't come out until TV nearly two weeks later, a supposed breaking of the script, two wrestlers quitting, and a bunch looking elsewhere, a pep talk, an emotional rant followed by an apology, and a whole lot more. Kurt, is this like as the world turns, or what are we talking about? I mean, this is insane. A lot of chaos, isn't there? There was a lot of chaos. This was probably the worst time in TNA as far as all this bad shit occurring. Um, it, it was it was an eye opener. And uh, when did you realize that Scott Hall isn't going to be there? He's saying I'm. I'm not <laughs> when the out. show started and Scott didn't show up, it was like holy shit. I can't believe this guy didn't show up. And what I heard the reason why is because he felt that he wouldn't be able to produce a Scott Hall uh, type of match when he was in his prime as when he went, when he was older, you know, at this point in TNA. So um, he decided not to show up. And uh, that's just, you know, as much as I love Scott and, you know, that he passed away a few months ago, uh, you don't do that. I mean, yeah. you have to at least say, hey, listen, I'm not going to show up. I'm sorry, but I can't do it. But he just no-showed. Yeah. It's even written into the storyline as you give Joe a speech about how Hall and Nash are washed up and and uh, using him because Joe could still go. Uh, were you disappointed? You mentioned it. Hey, Hall's not going to be there. That's, I think that probably was deflating for everybody involved, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was a big bummer because everybody was expecting Scott Hall to show up. This was one of the – this is the premier match of the night, and unfortunately it didn't occur the way we thought it would. Uh, the Observer says the main event saw Angle and Tomko and AJ come out to face Nash and Joe. Joe was told by management to go out and do a promo to Barry Hall for no-showing. Somewhere in the promo, which wasn't playing much ahead of time because nobody knew if Hall was going to come, the story is that Joe went off track and into business for himself. The strangest part, aside from the whole show building to the promo, was the sign of the Vince Russo work shoot playback, including telling everyone it's a shoot and looking at Dixie Carter and saying they would fire him if they didn't like it. Nash in the ring looked furious that he was getting buried in the promo. Joe's purpose by management was, because they thought the fans loved Joe as the babyface, to make it seem like it was Hall's fault, and then build up and make people accept Eric Young as the third man. So instead of Hall, it's Eric Young. Kurt, thoughts on how that made the match? Did it make it better? Oh. Um, you know what? Eric was a great re replacement. Anytime Eric Young, you can use him as a replacement. He's the perfect choice, but he wasn't Scott Hall, and everybody was expecting Scott Hall. Yeah, so you know there's just there's no denying there's going to be a level of uh, people disappointed because that's what they bought, that's what they wanted, that's what they're there to see. They're into the angles on TV, and when that doesn't happen, I don't care who you roll out. Well, it could have been Brock Lesnar or something, but that <laughs> whoever it is, that unfortunate individual, they're kind of 
They're, I feel bad for Eric Young. You're thrust in a position where you still got to go out and work your ass off. They put him in a high stressful position, Jeez. no doubt about it, but he came through. There you go. So uh, Samoa Joe, Eric Young, and Kevin Nash beat Kurt Angle and Tomko and AJ Styles in 930 run. run. Crowd was dead for the match. Nash ended up walking out of the match, and then Joe pinned Tomko using a muscle buster. Meltzer gave it a star and three quarters. So do you remember meeting before the show, before all this stuff happened regarding, uh, you know, some of the undercard wrestlers that were starting to complain about stuff? Well, you know, I, I think the undercard guys were complaining because we kept bringing big stars in and we weren't producing our own stars. So I understood why they, they had a beef with that. And, uh, you know, what, what we should have been doing is creating our own stars. And well, I'm sure not a TNA star either. Yeah, I'm not a homegrown yeah. talent either, but you know, there comes a point in time where you have to say enough is enough. Start producing your own stars. Yeah. Uh, but in your situation, you came in, worked hard and, uh, it wasn't like you were just, there's a different feel when you have someone who's coming in is going to work hard and really put the company on his back and carry it, it like kind of what you did. And then when you have the big name guys that are there to earn the paycheck and show up at a couple shows here and there, and it's just right. to me, two different things. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Shortly after the show was over, Joe and Nash had a near altercation. Multiple sources watching have slightly different stories, but the basic gist was Joe was talking to Nash, still mad about how everything went down. Nash told him he didn't want to talk right now because he was mad and for Joe to leave him alone. Somewhere in there, Nash either pie-faced Joe, shoved him hard, or threw a forearm to the head. Kurt, uh, we're going to jump into our final clip of the week. and uh, it's You have Samoa, that? I the do. fight? No, I have Samoa Joe shoot promo from Turning Point. I wish I had the fight. I, I didn't know. Do you have that? There was no iPhone, I guess, back then for you to record it. All right, here we go. Let's check out uh, the shoot promo. But you know what? I also realized another thing. They just gave me a live mic on pay-per-view. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. So if you all don't mind, I'd like to get a few things off my chest. Number one, in TNA, we have two types of wrestlers. We have TNA diehards who come here and entertain and bust their ass with these fans every night of the week. Oh, he's passionate. Frustrated, too. And we got superstars who think they can come and do whatever they want, however they feel like. We have superstars who come out here and not only screw us, the hardworking wrestlers of TNA. but they screw each and every fan who paid to see them no matter how old they are. So let me make this real simple. Let me explain to you what TNA is. TNA is the motor city machine guns coming down here and busting their ass and trying to make a break in this business. It's Black Machismo doing his damnedest to entertain every single fan in this building and show them what's up. TNA is Samoa Joe coming in here and doing what he does best, wrestle and be the best damn professional wrestler in the world. It's a bunch of hardworking young athletes who are looking to change the wrestling world. Guys who held down this business while others profiteered from it. 
TNA is the men who come in here, risk their lives on scaffoldings, on wires, while others show up and pad their pensions. So I'll tell you what, Scott Hall, Chico, kiss my ass. You punked out and you're a punk. Are you mad? No, go ahead, fire me, I don't care. So tonight, I went in that locker room and they said, hey, they called everybody in the world trying to get me a new partner. But I said, no, we don't need anybody. We got everybody we need in the back right now. So I walked to the back and I said, hey, who wants to go out there in the main event tonight and who wants to get into a fight? And every damn one of the X Division wrestlers stood up. I walked to the back and I said, who wants to come out and get in a fight in the main event tonight? And every single young wrestler whose first TV contract was here at TNA stood up and said, me. But one in particular, bloody, beaten, battered, bruised, and overlooked by everybody in the world, looked at me and said, Joe, please give me the shot. And without further ado, I announce my partner, a man who will show up, a man who will be here and do what he needs to do, a man who's ready for a fight, and a man who will be even when he's an old man. Without further ado, I bring out my tag team partner, Showtime Eric Young, get out here, let's kick some ass. Unbelievable situation we have here. Buddy, that was a pipe bomb. That was worse than I remember it to be. That was like, wow. Um, I love Joe, but that was so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think he's talking about you when you stand there? Or do you know? Because Nash is like grabbing his crotch at him and he's pissed. I was working it, but looking at it now, I'm like, you know, because I was out there in front of the fans. I was a little bit nervous. We were starting a match, and he was, you know, talking down about the big superstars that came in. And I looked at him like, are you talking about talking, me too? Yeah. But I didn't really mean that. I yeah. I just didn't know how bad it was. This was uh, – no wonder Kevin was pissed off. He was, listen, he was visibly pissed. Joe was a good pissed. kid. Yeah. Joe didn't mean anything by it. Like, Joe is not that frustrated. kind of person He's frustrated. that's going to bury people and try to make himself rise out of the dust. He doesn't do that. Joe's always been complimentary of other people, but for some reason that night he went off. He did. He was frustrated. I think that was the, the final, the final thing for him, man, the straw that broke the camel's back with the Scott all no show. I think he looked at Dixie said, you're going to fire me. I don't yeah. care. I think it was Dixie. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Joe. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, there I you go. Him, Dude, Joe. I know. <laughs> That was intense, man. But when wrestling makes you feel that way, shoot or not, that's when you're just sitting there like completely invested. Holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, fans knew Kevin was pissed. <laughs> oh, my God. It was written all over his face and body language. There's no doubt about it. He was just, and every time he said old timer, he just turned and looked back right at Kevin. I'm like, is this kid, are they going to fight here or what? This is, this doesn't feel good. I'm surprised Kevin didn't throw a punch in yeah. the ring. Were you there Kevin for the, were you that. there for Nash and Joe's fight afterwards that we talked about? It was, listen, Joe was trying to apologize. Kevin didn't want any part of it. He was trying to get away from Joe. Joe kept saying, hey, I didn't really mean it. I was just cutting a promo. Oh, and boy. Kevin ended up slapping him in the face. <sighs> but Joe, thank God, 
Joe was smart enough not to retaliate because yeah, that, that could have been one ugly, ugly fight. I don't oh know who would have won that fight. Uh, Small Joe's a badass, so is Kevin Nash. And Joe knew to shut up and keep his mouth shut and walk away after that. Well, there there was a moment, Kurt. That's one of the first we've had together doing a show where we saw something Man. that intense. I, I was there and I don't remember it being that bad. Yeah, <laughs> that was well, pretty bad. Yeah. That was, that was good stuff from there until the end of the 2000s. Go ahead. I love Joe. I oh yeah. Mean, I disrespected Joe at all. I know none taken, but, and, and also, you know, this is a different point of his career. He's going to be feeling a certain way. And again, and you know what? That's passion. He well, was one he of the had originals. To feel frustrated at this point because they were bringing in big stuff. Yes, exactly. And, and, and they were overlooking Joe at certain points in time. You know, there were times when they weren't pushing Joe at all. It was because we already had a bunch of stars that came in. He's talking for Joe. He's talking for AJ. He's talking for Christopher Daniels. He's talking for Bobby Roode. That's what Joe was doing in that moment. It was it was him and the rest of those guys that, that really felt like they were built the building blocks for the company. You're absolutely right. Uh, from there until the end of 07, you're building towards going to Japan. You're taking on Yuji Nagata for New Japan and also taking on Christian at Final res re Resolution. But we'll discuss that uh, at another time. Uh, that We're going to do that in 2023, buddy. But we have some fan questions as we wrap up this hell of a show. Man, this has been fun. I didn't I didn't yeah, expect all fun. this stuff. <laughs> but uh, Hazard F5, our buddy, uh, he is a belt collector and does awesome belt reviews, championship belt reviews. He said, I felt bad you having to carry all those belts around in 2007 after you won all the titles with each weighing at least eight pounds and the IWGP title weighing around 14 pounds. During that time, you did an episode of Impact where someone stole your clothes and you went around interrogating people while wearing a bright pink Speedo, which only you could make look both ridiculously funny and deathly intimidating at the same time. Whose idea were those segments and how funny were they? You looked like you were having an absolute blast. It was Vince Russo. I mean, I got to the point where I was in a, a meeting. People were sitting at the desk, and I was on the table walking back and forth with my ass hanging out and my balls hanging. And, you know, these people are like, oh, my God, I'm looking at Kurt Angle's junk right now. It was so funny. Vince Russo was trying to make it as ridiculous as possible, and he, he succeeded. And, buddy, you were ready to play along with it. You were ready to shake that ass yes, and, 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 and jiggle them balls. <laughs> Kurt Angle. There you go. Oh, the Olympic Jewels. Matt Godfrey's up next. How was working with Kevin Nash? He's one of my favorites. Any stories about him in TNA? Don't have many stories about Kevin, but uh, he was a joy to work with. Um, you know, uh, he was really intelligent. Uh, he was a guy that uh, was a good locker room leader. Uh, he, he took uh, pride in doing that. I was a leader too, but Kevin was uh, one that led by example. And uh, he was very smart about the business. And he taught the kids, the younger guys, a lot of stuff. Like, you know, stuff about um, not just uh, how to respect the business, but, you know, how bad it is to politic. Because I think Kevin did politic a little bit in WCW and he understood it. And he was just trying to uh, spread the, you know, the word that, you shouldn't be politicking and wrestling. And uh, Kevin was really big on that. Yeah. I mean, he'd been through it himself, been on both sides of the fence. And now he's just trying to impart some of that knowledge and wisdom to the exactly. younger wrestlers. There you go. Brian Harems is up for our final question of the week. You won the title back from Sting so quickly after he won it. We talked about it. Does winning it back so quickly negate the story of Sting winning it? Or was Sting bigger than the title and he didn't necessarily need it? He didn't need the title, but at that point in time, he was approaching 50. I think it was good for him to win the title, to give him validity. 
uh, that he wasn't going to carry it very long. Uh, they didn't have plans on him being a long-term champion, but they wanted him to win the title just to keep him up in that top rank with everybody else. And then I want it back from a couple of days later. Yeah, we definitely got to make sure we say Kurt did win it back, by the way. He was the freaking champion. <laughs> I want it back. Oh, there you true. go. It's damn true. Next week, Kirk Armageddon 2002. So we went to 2007. We're going back five years earlier. It's you taking on the big show for the WWE title because we're building to WrestleMania 19 uh, as we wrap out of that event and head into the very next year. Uh, looking forward to that, man. 2002 Armageddon going to be a fun one. Me too. Me too. This is a big time for me. This is one of my uh, best years of my career, and I'm excited about it. There you go. Guys, listen, we send out a lot of links and talk about a lot of things. I'm going to make it simple for you. Anglepodlinks.com. If you go to anglepodlinks.com, you're going to find it all there. You're going to see where to find this podcast, where to find it on YouTube, where to find our merch store for the angle pod, where to follow us on social media. So instead of me spitting out all the different social media sites, go to angle pod links and you're going to get hooked up. I will specifically call out our YouTube channel uh, because we got a guy over there now that's working the YouTube channel for us, putting out a lot of awesome clips and links. Uh, so you can check it out. YouTube.com. A forward slash the angle pod smash that subscribe button check it out likes and uh, we appreciate it youtube is a big part of what we do and you get to see kurt's beautiful face uh sorry about mine but you get to see kurt every week and his reactions to these videos which are really cool uh and we're working with uh impact wrestling man so when we do tna shows uh hopefully it'll all be filterless uh, over there on YouTube from now on, you can enjoy it just like we did, but check them out. Impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. That's the key. And then the promo code that's valid is Kurt. It's easy. K U R T Kurt. Let's tell them about physically fit and, uh, and what they can do to get that 20% off. All right. We have physically fit nutrition, chicken snacks and snacks, smart crispy protein bites. One's chicken protein, this one, and this is organic plant protein. There are 11 different flavors. You can go to physicallyfit.com. If you use the pro code ANGLEPOD, you get 20% off your first order. Or if you become a lifetime member where you can sign up on the website, you'll get 20% uh, off forever. These are delicious. You're going to absolutely love them. I, I, uh, the company is doing pretty good right now, but we need a little bit more business to keep it rolling. We really do appreciate your business, though. Go to physicallyfit.com to order yours. There you go. And go to KurtAnglebrand.com, especially as we head into the holiday season. That's where you can find all your fun stuff. If you want a cameo video as a birthday present, uh, if you want a, a, anything, a t-shirt, a milk carton for a stocking stuffer, any of that cool merch is over there, KurtAnglebrand.com. And he always wants to remind you that their birthday party. Look, if you're watching YouTube, he's got the little cowboy hat on. Look at him. Ride your horse, Kurt. Ride it. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh, he's riding the horse. Holy shit. That's awesome. KurtAnglebrand.com, uh, where you can check out all things Kurt Angle. Kurt, this was fun, man. Appreciate you doing this with me again this week. Great show. Me too, Paul. I had a lot of fun. Looking forward to next week, too. We are. We're going to rock it again next week. Armageddon 2002 on behalf of your Olympic medalist, your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. He's the man. He's won so many world titles. I can't even count that eye. This is Paul Bromwell. We'll see you right back here next week on the... John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... 
it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're gonna pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.